Hi everyone, I'm Sue Langada, and I'm a real estate copywriter and host of this podcast, Real Estate Right. I meet people just like you every day, selling your homes, renting a property going up for sale, frustrated with not knowing the information that you need to make you that little more savvy in your real estate transactions. I'm here to help you. Help you learn before you get to that stage of meeting me to write your copy. Help you know how to make the journey that little bit easier. Stay tuned as we have an awesome podcast today to get you more in the real estate know. New legislation comes into fruition for rental properties in Victoria on the 29th of March 2021. And over the next three weeks, we will be talking in depth about how the changes will affect tenants, landlords and property managers with our regular property management expert, Sophie Lyon. Real Estate Right is giving you the best expert advice on all your real estate needs. And we have a whole lot of new topics for 2021, which will make you more informed and more confident when you deal with real estate professionals. Don't forget to check out our back catalogue of past episodes as there is always something that you need to know right now that you may not have needed before. Check out Real Estate Right. Sophie Lyon has worked in property management for more than 30 years and is currently the Director and General Manager of Property Management at Jealous Craig Borindara. Sophie is actively involved as a Vice President of the REIV and is an accredited trainer currently focusing on delivering training for the new Residential Tenancies Act, which we are about to talk about right here. Sophie, how are you? I'm very well, Sue. How about yourself? Yeah, good, thanks. How intense has the new Residential Tenancy Act been on training property managers? Super, super intense. Um, <laughs> yeah. There, there's so much that we've got to got to go back and unlearn and relearn. And then yeah. there's the there's the combination of the things that are still there that haven't changed that are now slightly influenced by other changes that have come through. Um, oh. We're having to change, you know, our, our procedures and policies and um, even the, the way that, that we talk to clients. If, you've got to um, be careful that you're covering off kind of both sides of the fence with things. Um, so, it's yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting time, that's for sure. It's going to be interesting, especially once it's all happening on the 29th of uh, March. That's just going to make, you know, I suppose you'll be relieved when it starts because then there won't be then and now it's now now that's it yeah yeah it's it yeah. well it'll make it a bit easier you're not going to have to have a foot in both camps kind of thing and so you, you're talking to mm-hmm. clients about okay so we can do this right now but then as you know when the new act comes in we're not going to be able to do that for you anymore or we're going to have to do that in a different way or um yeah. so it's it it is a very different conversation that we're that we're having with people at the moment and even tenants tenants mm-hmm. are like oh my god what's going on how does this affect me um yeah. so yeah there's a there's a lot of talking going on at the moment um yeah. and just I think you know it's not the end of the world kids we've just got to <laughs> calm down and get through it and it'll be fine yeah yeah beautiful okay so today we are going to be talking about the start 
of a tenancy. Mm-hmm. Next week, we'll talk about what happens during the tenancy. And then the week after, we'll talk about after the tenancy. Mm-hmm. So today, what changes will be made from the 29th of March, 2021, when it comes to starting a tenancy? Are there any standout changes that we need to just know about starting? No. A Do you know, there's, there's the starting of a tenancy, um, the, you know, the application processing, um, you know, lease signing, all that sort of stuff, canning over keys, none of that process has really changed dramatically. Um, okay. What, what probably had changed a little bit was um, during COVID we were having to do, um, you know, keyless or contactless handovers of keys and things, and that kind of changed mm. things a bit. Um, and I think that probably drove a whole lot of this process online anyway. Um, yeah. So, you know, where you used to sign a lease agreement, it's now done through DocuSign. Um, we used yeah. to print off a copy of the condition report for you to sign. Now you access it through a portal through our, our system. Yeah. So there's the documentation is all still very, very similar. Um, you know, the, the lease format has changed slightly. The condition report format has changed slightly. But beyond that, it's, it shouldn't shock anybody in the process anymore. Okay. So I'm comfortable with that. I'm just saying if I'm a potential tenant, which hopefully never have to go there again, but <laughs> you never know. <laughs> um, that's okay. So like selling a home, previously one of the tactics to raise the price of a rental property is, you know, like to auction it off essentially mm-hmm. um, if it was in high demand. So can property managers and landlords ask prospective tenants to bid for a property anymore? No, no. No, 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 no. We've actually never really been able to do that. So as far as, and here's where the fine line of it comes in. We can't go to a tenant and say, um, thanks very much, Sue, you've applied for the property, um, but we have another tenant who has offered another $20 a week. um, So would you like to meet or better that $20 a week offer? We can't do that. What we can do is go to you and say, Sue, we've had a higher offer on the property from another tenant. It's entirely up to you if you wanted to make a higher offer. If you don't want to, we can still submit your application exactly as it stands at the moment. Um, So that is entirely your decision as to whether you want to do that. We also shouldn't ever give you the amount because then we are getting into a bidding situation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so rental bidding is absolutely not a possibility, but you as a tenant yes. still retain the right if you really like the property or it's it's in exactly the right spot for your kid's school or something along those lines, um, that you can say, I would like to offer the owner $20 a week more or $30 a week more or, you know, $5 yeah. a week more. What does it matter? Um, as an example, yeah. you as the tenant still retain that right but we as an agent can never ask you to do it. Yeah, which is good. It, it is a bit concerning that, you know, you know, I suppose real estate agents, especially the sales ones, have been sort of talked like they're a bit sharky like that, aren't they? They they sort of, you know, will extrude any dollar amount they possibly can, mm-hmm. but rentals is very different. Yep. Um, but it's good to know that you can offer more if you want to, if you're comfortable to do it, but not pressurised into doing it. No, no. Um, and I think, you know, there, there have been situations certainly, um, you know, years ago where the market got very tight 
Um, and mm. so people were afraid that they were going to miss out and so they felt that it was something that they had to do. Um, yes. But someone offering another $20 a week or 10 or 5 or whatever, um, that may not necessarily be what the driver for the owner is. The driver for the owner yeah. might be that it's a particular um, a particular type of person, particular demographic that they're looking for, a particular time yeah. frame on the lease agreement, um, you know, mm. all of those kinds of things versus um, more money in their pocket. So it, yeah. it, just because you're offering more money doesn't mean you're guaranteed to actually get the property. Yeah, fair enough. Now, are there questions that are now considered to be inappropriate and against the law for property managers and landlords to ask? So, for instance, obviously discrimination things that could possibly be an issue well but other, that other discrimination things always been there um so yeah. so we're not um we're not allowed to ask questions um that would in any way um sound like we were discriminating against somebody um yeah. so you know if, if you had um, two men or two women moving into a property for us to actually ask them whether they were involved as a couple or what their sexual orientation was or anything like that you, you yeah. can't do that um, and especially if the tenants then missed out on the property, they would have something to go back and go, well, hang on a minute, we missed out because there, there is mm. an issue with our, you know, race, gender, um, whatever it might be. So yes. we've, we've never, it's, it's never been something we're supposed to ask. Um, I certainly know that there are owners who have requested it in the past. Um, mm-hmm. And so, again, that's a bit of a fine line around how you you get and give that information to an owner, but everyone's very careful to say you're, you're treading into, you know, discriminatory territory here, so you want to be really careful. Um, yes. So, you know, but not not everybody gets that, unfortunately, so mm. we do have to explain it. But wouldn't explain. even... Even if the landlord was looking for a specific type of tenant, for instance, they thought, like, look, I believe my house is more suitable to a family of four rather than four blokes having uh, a room each and and having different girlfriends over every night and all lots of stuff. Um, Would that be considered discriminatory? Um, I would think that it would depend more so on whether the owner was overtly saying that they didn't want to take them for a certain reason. But, it, again, it has to be based on discrimination is, you know, race, creed or race, creed, same thing, um, yeah. sexual orientation, um, gender, um, you know, any of those age. kind of things. Yeah. So Is age an issue? Yeah. Uh, no, I don't think age has ever been, like, from a discrimination perspective, um, from the technical yeah. thing around discrimination. Um but again, sometimes it's with us. It's it's educating the clients too. I mean, the number of times that mm. I've listed a property and the client has said, "Oh, I've, what I'd really like is a retired couple um, who mm. just use the property during the week, and then they go and spend the weekends at their their property down at Rye or Sorrento, because uh, yeah. then there's going to be less uh, wear and tear on the property, and they're not going to have parties, yeah. and they're going to do this, and not going to do that." And I was like, "Okay, you're now looking for." this percentage, this teeny tiny percentage yeah. of the rental market, so let's get a little bit more realistic here. Um, yeah. It can be a very similar conversation with a client who starts talking about that discriminatory environment. It's like, Whoa, okay, you need to back up now and we need to explain to you that this yeah. is just not something that we can do, um, yeah. not only for their sake but for our own. We don't, we don't want a reputation that we're... Um, that we're in any way discriminating in the in the rental market, that would be, you know, business suicide, really. 
Mm, yeah. What terms in the new lease agreement will be considered unlawful under the new Act? Um, so terms in respect of um, asking for information on an application yeah, as an example, you mean? Or, yes. So we're not allowed to ask any more um, for um bank statements unless they're retracted or redacted, I should say. Um, We're not allowed to ask for um, people's um, passports in respect of their visas, so how long the visa is for, um, things like that. We're not allowed to ask for that information. Previously, what we've been able to do is put a clause into the lease agreement around insurance policies um and that if yeah. there were anything that the rental provider did that would invalidate um the uh insurance or actually result in an increased premium that the owner could then request mm-hmm. that back from the tenant that's gone um any um okay. any particular clauses that require the renter to un- do indemnify the residential rental provider for any injury or damage arising from any conduct of the renter or visitor to the property that's been taken out um anything that okay. prevents the renter from making a claim for compensation if the rented properties are not available on the commencement date um so we used to be able to put clauses in around uh if the property had been sold and we were leasing the property after settlement and settlement were delayed, we would have a clause in saying if settlement is delayed that the tenant um, agrees that they can't take any, um, request any compensation from the owner or um, or the agent. Can't do that anymore. Okay. So that we've just got to be very careful that we leave enough time now after a proposed settlement. Because um, some days we've been, yes. like settlement's gone through and we've had a tenant moving in on the next day. Sometimes they can be very tight. Yeah. Um, any terms which yes. require the renter to pay rent in advance by a payment method which requires additional costs. Um, so we can do uh, BPAY, we can do um, direct debit. There are some, um, some yeah. uh, franchises out there that actually have uh, tenant rent cards, but there's a fee that's applied every time the tenant mm. pays rent. Um, so we're not allowed yes. to charge that on to the tenant anymore. Um, and any okay. term which requires, sorry, I think that sort of that sort of money is that money is for um, tax deductible for the landlord. Anyway. Landlord wasn't so paying, yeah, there the, was the really tenant that was paying it. Um, and but there's yeah. a lot of landlords that don't agree to paying it. No, that's what I'm saying. A lot of clients that will not pay it. So yeah. a lot of those are being absorbed by the agent. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, yeah, which is why free it's, options are yeah, far better. Part, yeah. So you just. You just put um yeah. your price up a little bit. Um, it's six point one percent instead of six percent. Yeah, and um, anything around safety related maintenance, um, which apparently has been requested from some tenants in the past that they were expected to pay for, um, you know, like smoke alarm maintenance or things like that, which is that's clearly the owner's responsibility okay. because it's part of the building. Um, so yes. we can't ask a tenant. Um, that's that's one of those terms that they've taken out of the lease agreement that you're not allowed to put in. So does it include replacing the battery? Uh, well, a lot of the a lot of smoke alarms now are actually maintained by external by third party companies. So if you went up and changed the battery, yeah. it would actually void any warranty that was provided from those organisations. This is how how tricky those little things are. Oh. Um, so if we, if we have yeah. um, one of those third-party organisations that does it, 
we actually say to the tenant, look, just don't touch it. If it starts beeping, let us know. We'll get someone out there to to yeah. attend to it for you. Um, and hopefully it doesn't mm. happen at 4 a.m. on a Sunday morning that the thing starts beeping. Yeah. Because that's when they normally yeah, tend to do it. Um, <laughs> yes. So uh, we also can't put anything around yeah. um, requiring the renter to arrange professional cleaning unless it was that professional cleaning was done at the commencement of the tenancy. So we do have to be able to, to provide to okay. the tenant that it was, it's quite clearly, um, it has been done, which is why we're asking you to do it at the end of the tenancy, because it's bringing it back up to the same condition. Okay. Um, yeah. So there's some of them, yeah. Oh, now, I wish that one was around when I was last renting. Last place I rented was, uh, I left there yeah. two and a half years ago, and it, I had a carpet cleaner booked in and I had a professional cleaner booked in and you know, with a guaranteed um, rent uh, you know, bond return yeah. because of how we yep. are cleaning right and yes. and I said to because I booked in the carpet cleaner before I booked in the the, mm-hmm. the professional cleaners I said look I don't need a carpet cleaner so can you just you know you do the walls you do this you know and then they quoted over the phone and then they got to the property, realised it was a much bigger three-bedroom apartment than mm-hmm. they expected it to be. So then they said, look, we're not starting until you pay us an extra $100 more than what you right. originally quoted. And then he goes, and you've already said that you've got a carpet cleaner in, so we're not vacuuming the floors. And it's like, no, but the carpet cleaner, all he does is he, you know, steam cleans the carpet. That's all he's doing. He's not vacuuming. You're vacuuming. Oh, no, no, that's not part of the quote. So I paid the money for the clean with the additional and then all my stuff was in the Mm. removing van so I didn't have a vacuum cleaner to vacuum it myself and then an hour later the carpet cleaners turned up and I said, please tell me you've got a vacuum cleaner because my cleaners refused to do it. And he goes, well, that wasn't part of the quote so I'll have to charge you an extra 200 bucks to clean vacuum the carpet. Oh, you guys, you're lucky I've got one today because oh usually God. I don't have one. I'm like, oh, God, thank you. But so, yeah, really, really frustrating. But I got my bond back. That would be such a pain. <laughs> oh, well, that's all right then. As long as you manage to get your bond back. There's plenty of those companies that do the, we guarantee you'll get your bond back. And then we go through and we're like, no, 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 no. Those things need to be sorted out. And then they refuse to come back or they can't come back for a week because they're too busy. And then they come back and they do half the things that we needed them to do. So it can all, yeah, I guess it's like anything. I wasn't happy with them. There were so many marks on the wall that I was able to get off myself. But, you know, anyway, interesting. So we will have a short break and come back with more from Sophie Lyon from Jealous Craig when we will talk about the actual lease, the bond and your information. So you're listening to Real Estate Right. I'm Sue Langada and I'm on today with Sophie Lyon, Director and General Manager of Property Management at Jealous Craig, as well as the Director of the REIV. And we are talking about the new Residential Tenancies Act that comes in on the 29th of March, 2021. So Sophie, what will be the maximum bond and advanced rental payment allowed in the new act? 
the the maximum bond has always been related to what they call the prescribed amount or prescribed rent amount. So yeah. at the moment that used to be um, three hundred and fifty, but it's moved up now, so it's now nine hundred. So your rent right. effectively has to be higher than nine hundred dollars a week in order for us to ask for a bond that's more than one month's rent. Okay, because there was a time then, like it was used to be one month's rent, and then you see that it was like, oh, now it's five weeks, and then some were doing six weeks and, and all that stuff, but now it's maximum one month's rent unless it's over $900. Yep, that's right. Yeah. Okay, and advanced rental payments, are we allowed to ask for extra more or can we pay more in terms of advanced? Like if I wanted, if say, for instance, I've just sold my house, I need to rent somewhere, I've got the money in the bank. I want to pay my 12 months up front because mm-hmm. I've got the money there and I just don't want to worry about it. Can I do yeah. that? You certainly can. Um, yeah. You can make that offer to the agent to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, there's there's really never been anything that stops you from doing that. Um, okay. As agents, though, we don't love it because what it means is we have to park part of the money to the side for the possibility of any maintenance that you might um, you might require, plus um, you know rates or anything like that that we have to pay, rather than having to go to the owner every time and say, "We've got this invoice. Can you send us this money to pay it? We've got your yeah. rates. Can you send us this money to pay it?" Um, yeah. Because part of the service we offer to clients is that we pay all those invoices on their behalf, mm-hmm. and then at the end of the financial year, they just pick up a lovely end of financial year statement, give it to their accountant, and you know, that's much easier for one-stop shop. Exactly. Um, So, look, we don't don't love it, I'll be honest, but can it be done? Of course it can be done. Yeah. So can an agent ask or a landlord ask for an advanced rental payment? Like, look, you know, we know you've got to pay a month, but, you know, we're not quite trusting you, so we'll ask you for two months in advance. Uh, No, we've never been asked to ask. We've never been able under the Residential Tenancies Act to ask for anything longer than what the agreed um, payment period is. So if you're okay. paying your rent weekly, the agent hasn't been able to ask for a month in advance, if that makes sense. If you're yeah. paying your rent monthly, they're not able to ask for three months rent in advance unless mm. the tenant offers it and it's agreed to yeah. or under the current legislation if the rent is more than $350 a week. So in the new legislation, if the rent is more than $900 a week, the owner can request it. Yes. Um, But stock standard from here on out, no, we're not going to be able to. Okay. Now, can a landlord or a property manager ask uh, if they've had any issues with their bond, like receiving a bond back um, with the new legislation? Uh, At the point of application, no. We're not allowed to ask that anymore. Um, So we're not allowed to ask that. Um, about the visa information I talked about before for yes. the um, rent statements, but the uh, applicant's rent bond history, whether they've ever had a claim made on their bond, no, we're not allowed to ask that anymore. Oh, lucky I've been good and got my bonds back all the time. <laughs> if an applying tenant has signed the agreement and paid their bond plus their first month's rent, mm-hmm. and but the landlord hasn't signed the agreement, is the agreement enforceable? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Always has been. Always has been, always will be. Always has been, always will be. Yep. Yeah. Um, the, the fun part about residential tenancies is that a lease doesn't have to be in writing. It can be written, verbal or implied. So oh, wow. a, a written lease is quite clear, um, obviously, but a verbal agreement, you know, 
do you want to move in here for $200 a week? Yes, thank you. Here's my money. In you go. That's a verbal agreement or an implied agreement um, because someone has actually been paying rent to a certain individual. um, Then that's implied. Contract law um, is offer offer acceptance and consideration. So the offer is the tenant making their application. The acceptance is us going back to the tenant and saying, here's the lease agreement we'd like you to sign. Um, and the consideration is when they pay their, their rent and their bond. So if the lease was never signed by the owner, it's always been enforceable. Good to know. I think that is one thing that, you know, because there's a lot of casual rental agreements, isn't there, where they're just, you know, there might be a bungalow in the backyard and, and someone's living in it just because they need someone to stay. And, yeah. you know, I'll pay you, you know, 200 bucks Absolutely. a week for that. Or or family relationships or, you know, a friend of a friend who needed somewhere to live and so that person's going, yeah, I've got a vacant property, yeah, go right in, no problem at all. We don't need anything in writing, it'll all be fine. Um, Rarely is, but, you know, that people want to make those arrangements. You could go, as a landlord, you could go to VCAT and if, you know, they've trashed the whole place, you could, it's implied or, you know, you've paid the rent, so guess what, Um, you know, we've got your details on our bank account, so you've been giving us money for something, yeah. The moment you pay rent, whether it's yeah. $1, $100, doesn't matter, you're captured under residential tenancies. So both okay. parties have to abide by everything within the Act. Um, okay. So all it requires is proof of, of a rent payment, a rent payment, even if it was only a one-off, yeah. um, and, and you're captured under it. Yep, sounds good. Now, my last question for today is what happens when with my information after my tenancy application has been accepted or not accepted? Do you keep them or do you trash them? Okay. If you're accepted, we're going to keep them. Um, The the good thing now is the majority of them um, we don't print um, a great deal of anything anymore because it's all pretty much online. So, um, But the, the ones that we don't accept, um, we either delete that information um, or, you know, if it's still in a, um, if it does come in a paper form, we'll get rid of it into the security bin um, and then, um, you know, it goes off and gets shredded off site. Um, we, we're not supposed to hold on to anyone's private information if yes. they're not a tenant. Um, and if they are or were a tenant, then, you know, again, it's, it's probably a bit vague really as to how long we should hold on to that information. Um, yeah. With the ATO, it's normally five years as good business practice to hold on to that sort mm-hmm. of stuff. Um, but, I mean, from our perspective at Jealous Craig, everything goes off into an off-site archive and it all just sits in files in an off-site archive and then it gets destroyed after five years. So yeah. um, I'd suggest that's probably the practice of the majority of, of real estate agents. So I think people don't really want swathes and swathes of rental applications no. hanging around their office if they're not their tenants no. anymore. Because, you know, like, you know, Joe Smith last week applied for, you know, 40 Butler Street and he's like, well, you know, I didn't get that property so can I just use that application stuff to apply for, you know, 30 Smith Street? And you're going to go, no, you've got to do a whole new lot, don't you? What the, well, yeah. they could they could request all their documents back, of course they yeah. could. Um, we wouldn't give them the application form because that's, that's our application form versus another agent's application form, and the other agent probably wants that application filled in on their own yeah. documents. Um, which is why using one form and or I'm not that I'm you know <laughs> not that I'm promoting brands, um, yeah. 
but you know those online application sites that you can use um you can actually save them so it cuts down the time of you going and collecting seven different application forms sitting there and filling out pretty much exactly the same information seven times making seven photocopies of all of your documents and attaching them and the things we used to do I know it was fun not (laughs) (laughs) but there are a few changes so which is good to know um it's it's not too overwhelming for the start of a tenancy. The during and the after, which may be a bit different, which we'll cover next week and the week after. Right. So thank you again, Sophie. Um, we will have you on again next week, but if you'd like to contact Sophie between now and then, you can contact her on 0398105053 or go to jealouscraig.com.au for more information. So next week we will have Sophie back to talk about the changes to the Residential Tenancy Act that affect the time during your lease. If you're hooked on today's episode, you will be more intrigued with next week's. Don't miss it. Real Estate Right is a real copyright production, hosted, written and produced by me, Sue Langada. I would like to thank Podbean for hosting our podcast, Premium Beat for our theme music, Zoom for our video link, and Francis Morello for his voiceover. Real Copyright is a real estate copywriting service writing property all over Melbourne since 1998. If you would like Sue and her team of copywriters to write your property, go through the email address orders at realcopyright.com.au. Don't forget to subscribe, rate and review Real Estate Right on your favourite podcast platform. And if you would like to ask one of our experts a question on this podcast, email your questions to sue at realestateright.com.au. Thanks again for listening to Real Estate Right.